Between the Covers, the show for readers and writers and lovers of books. I'm Stephanie, and I'm a publisher at Red Penguin Books, where we publish books of all types and genres. So whether you have a book in your head, a manuscript ready to go, or even 300 pieces of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, and yes, once a month at least, we get a huge envelope mailed to us filled with loose leaf. Uh, just visit us at redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. I'm so excited, beyond excited today to be joined by three authors. Well, they haven't just unleashed themselves with their own books, but they are helping loads of other people unleash themselves. These are the authors of Launchpad, the countdown to writing your book, and it's going to be a full series. So coming out soon is going to be the countdown to publishing your book and the countdown to marketing your book. So whatever you're looking for, wherever you are in your book journey, Launchpad, the countdown is going to help you from writing through publishing and marketing. Our three lead authors on this that we're gonna meet today, Grace Salmon, who is the author of The Eaves, we also have with us Emma Desi, the author of More Than Enough, and Mary Helen Sheriff, the author of Boop and Eve's Road Trip. So let's first meet Grace. Grace is an entrepreneur and an educator, in addition to being a radio host and author. She's been recognized in Who's Who in Education and Who's Who in Literature. Over the decades, she's built up skills to reinvent herself over and over, and The Eves is her fourth book, but her debut novel. She's the founder of Author Talk Network, a member of the Women's Fiction Writer Association and the Women's National Book Association, as well as the director of membership for one of the fastest growing reader-writer online communities, The Bookish Road Trip. And The Eves is a multi-generational novel portraying lives lived well and lives in transition. Filled with poignancy and humor, The Eves captures the conversations we wish we had with our parents if we had taken the opportunity and the lessons we would want to impart to our children if they were ready to listen. Told through the voices of the psychologically complex Jessica Barnett, this is her story. As the primary witness in a messy trial, she has been torn from the foundation of her existence, her connection to her children. With a partially finished doctoral degree and incomplete renovations on her Washington DC row house, she has let go of her ambitions and her appearance, but not of her vodka or sense of loss or guilt. When Jessica meets five diverse, determined, and sometimes ditzy old women living in a sustainable community, everything and everybody changes. Through plot twists and turns that cover three continents, we learn the truth of Jessica's life and lies, just as we fall in love with the vividly drawn characters and vibrantly described settings. Please welcome author Grace Salmon. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for that beautiful introduction, Stephanie. Thanks oh, for having goodness. us. Well, I mean, you're a powerhouse, man. I <laughs> Too hot to handle. And you are also the creative brains behind this and I'm going to end up with like three books in my hands. So before we get to this, tell me a little bit about, I mean, you, this is your, The Eves is your fourth book, but your first novel. What were your mm -hmm. other three books? 
The first three are in the area of education. Before I became a novelist, I uh, started multiple companies and I worked in high schools across the country. So they were all uh, focused on how to improve the American high school. Wow. And now a novel. Did you just wake up one day and have this whole story in your head or how did that come about? I think it came about by the idea that I didn't know what I wanted to do when I continued to grow up. So <laughs> I decided that I would try to figure it out on paper. I had been traveling 200 days a year on business. And as you know, that's just exhausting. So I uh, just tried to figure it out on paper. I wanted to create this ideal world. And uh, that's what I tried to do. Wow. And uh, is there going to be another one in your future? Or are you too busy with a million other projects? Because between the radio show and the bookish road trip and all these other things, got a million projects. You know, I'm always happy when I'm busiest. So I'm, I should be really, really happy right now because I'm so busy. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're, we're going to get Launchpad, the countdown to publishing your book is going to come out shortly. And then we're going to have the countdown to marketing our book, which is going to come out in June. And it's just been such a delight to do those. I'm hoping there's another novel in me. I really do. Okay. And, and for all of our readers out there, Grace's other talent my favorite of her talents is she is the queen of the charcuterie board. Tell me a little bit about that because I follow your Instagram just so I could look on Fridays to see what you're eating. Oh, wait till you see tonight's. It's going to be amazing. So every Friday I post on usually Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook, a charcuterie board. And I just have to be very candid about that. I had been posting vigorously, you know, Mary is the queen of marketing. I've learned so much from her. So I knew that I'd been doing all these great posts about my book. Uh, and then I realized, you know, they were getting a little bit of traction. I was just going to throw up a charcuterie board there on a Friday night. And I think I got like 600 hits the first night. And I thought, well, is that a fluke? So I posted another one the next night. And now I get posts that say, you didn't post one on Friday night. Are you okay? And sometimes it's just a martini. You know, like I don't have a charcuterie board. So, uh, but yes, it, it's because apparently people really like watching charcuterie boards. They, they absolutely, absolutely do. And uh, Mary, thank you for uh, that, that marketing tip that brought us the charcuterie boards. Um, I, I guess that goes with the whole, you don't want your feed to be only about like, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. Now it's like, right. eat my cheese. I don't know. That's right. <laughs> Come to dinner. Bring wine. Bring wine. <laughs> well, I mean, Grace, I am totally tempted to get into a car every Friday night, believe me. And we're like a thousand miles apart. I'm like, that looks really good. Would she mind if <laughs> I just knocked on the door one night? Anytime, Stephanie. I'm, Anytime. I'm totally coming on a Friday just for the charcuterie board. But uh, so any of our viewers out there, you're going to want to follow Grace Salmon because she is the queen of books at this moment, but also the queen of charcuterie. So whatever you're looking for, you got Thank it. you. So tell me, how did this come about? What was the what was the impetus in your mind to this? Because, you know, I loved this from the second you brought it to my desk, but before it made it to my desk. Well, I, and I'm going to blame Mary again and a little bit <laughs> Emma. <laughs> it's in a good way, Mary. Uh, so I 
had a, I have a radio show on Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and it's called The Storytellers. And I'm very happy with that. It's a single author show, usually an author, not always. And I was very happy with my uh, radio career. And then Mary started this amazing company called The Arthur Marketing Coach. And I was fascinated by what she taught me what she talked about her vision for starting the author marketing coach and I thought there's so much that I didn't know and I'm still learning about being an author in this world and I said to Mary what if I created yet another radio show because I wasn't busy enough already (laughs) and we somehow partner and call the radio show Launchpad. We'll bring on four authors at a time so that they can network and that they can get to know each other and they can cross promote. And we would be, you know, that old hair commercial, like there was one like it, she tells somebody and she tells somebody and all of a sudden everybody is talking. So I went to Mary with this idea of a second radio show and she loved it. I'm so lucky Pam Stack loved it as well. She's the owner of Authors uh, on the Air Global Radio Network. So Mary and I worked out a marketing strategy on how we would do a new show and also have our guests get some marketing support directly from Mary. We almost immediately booked the whole first season. We now have a 20-person waiting list for season three. But what we learned in Mary's marketing and me having the guests on the show was that my anomaly of having very little clue of what to do um, in terms of marketing, that just became clear that many of our guests needed that as well. And then in talking to Emma, She taught me so much about the purpose and meaning and helpfulness of having a coach. And I did not have a coach because I'd written four books, but writing a novel is different. So I thought, now let's do a book series. So I went to Mary. She thought it was great. I went to Emma and then delightedly, I went to you, Stephanie. We had already done through Author Talk Network an ebook on just quotes from authors, and that's gone so beautifully. And I just went to you. You were delightful in saying yes. Loved, loved, loved the idea. I mean, you you are absolutely right. There are so many people that we meet who are somewhere along this journey. And and as a publisher, because I work with authors who have written anywhere from, you know, 120,000 words to 12. And I really wanted to be able to recommend something. And when you brought this idea to me, I was thrilled because I was, you know, people would say, is there a book on how to do this? I'm like, well, I mean, Stephen King wrote a book on writing, but I mean, it's a great book, but really that's what I was telling people. So when you had this idea to come out with this, that I can now say, this is what you should be reading. It was huge for me. And then the next one's on publishing and marketing. It really, I envisioned it as the cornerstone of what I would be able to then for all those people who come through us recommend. So I couldn't thank you enough for it. Well, and and we thank you. You know, we've all learned so much in this process. And Emma and I uh, co-led the first book. And I have to say, Emma, the I'm I'm thrilled. I learned so much as we went chapter by chapter. So I, I think we Emma and I were a very good team on that first book between who we brought to the table. Just a really amazing mix of contributors. Absolutely. And just for our listeners, um, the countdown to writing your book includes 12 
world-known authors speaking on a variety of topics ranging from uh, setting the scene, point of view, making an outline, working with a book coach, all sorts of different topics. And these are from people who are top writers. And it's just like you said, Grace, I learned so much working on this book. I really did. There were things I said, I never thought about that. And now I hear myself saying these things to my own author clients that I work with. I'll say, do you know that you should be doing X? <laughs> because it was in this book. So Emma, Grace knocked it out of the park. Absolutely knocked it out of the park. Thank you. So thank you for bringing uh, Launchpad to us. But Grace, let's take me back to the eaves a little bit for just a moment. Um, that was your very first novel. And you were looking for kind of a pivot in your life, shall we say. What am I going to be when I grow up? None of us really know what am I going to be when I grow up. But just talk to me as an author. Was it that first character that was, was speaking to you and nudging you along? Was it the storyline? How did this come about and how did this develop? The way it came about, Stephanie, was really over such a long period of time. I think the very first inspiration for it was a John Prine song, which I heard Bette Midler sing called Hello in There, Hello. And it's about people who disregard older people. And we don't take the time to listen. And the theme of the song, and she sings the, the verses, you know, and don't pass us by and stare as if you don't care. Say hello in there. Hello. So that's why I wanted these old women rubbed up against Jessica's being lost, that we still have places where we can all learn. My, my famous uh, line now is, I am not done. I didn't want to, I feel bad that I thought I was done. Um, and now there's so much still to be involved in. You know, um, I want us all to realize that we can leave our mark on the world. And I think that's what the characters within the book taught Jessica. And I think that's what my characters taught me, that we're not done. We have multiple ways to leave our mark on the world. And it was just fun. I got to do, you know, my youngest character is 15. My oldest is in their 90s. They're multiracial. It, it's really the world I wanted to create. I wanted to be able to talk to my younger self. I wanted to imagine myself being older. And there's a couple of wonderful places. Uh, we spend a lot of time in Washington, DC and atop the Chesapeake Bay. And we had a little side trip off to Africa and then one to uh, Norway as well. Wow, well, you travel as well. So you got to write about places that, have you been to all the places mentioned in the book? I have not been to the Viglin Sculpture Gardens, which takes place at the very, very end of the book. But my daughter has been in, it's just breathtaking place from the photographs. Yeah, no, it looks amazing. It looks amazing. Thank you. Who would you say I should be buying a copy of the Eves for today? Who is, who is a good reader for that? If I'm not sure and I'm saying, oh, I, as you were talking, I was actually planning and I'm like, opening up, you know, a browser after this so I could shoot a copy over. But who are you thinking I should be sending this to? Um, I, I guess it's classified as women's fiction. So any woman, and I would say anybody 50, 45, 50, anybody at a place that is thinking about the second half or the third half, well, I guess you can't have a third half, a third 
act. Um, but I just, it, it was so lovely. I just did a talk on the other coast of Florida for 50 women and they were all in their seventies and they were just in heaven. So seven eighties, there was a 96 year old there. So that was a delight. She was oh, like, this book is great. Uh, and, and there is a third half. Uh, my mother-in-law who unfortunately just passed away on Christmas was almost 103. So there is a third half. There really is. <laughs> I'm sorry she's not here or else she'd be reading the book as well. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. I'd like to meet your co-author on Launchpad to Writing Your Book, Emma Desi. Emma is a book coach and an author mentor who specializes in helping beginner authors write their first novel. Through her one-on-one, -on -one, Emma guides you through story development, character evolution, and provides written feedback on your work. She will navigate you through the emotional roller coaster of finishing your first novel. She also hosts the podcast, Turning Readers into Writers, and offers weekly support via her Facebook page. Emma lives in Scotland, which as soon as she opens her mouth, you'll definitely know that. And her book, More Than Enough, our author writes, a facade of perfection, a hidden well of demons, when it all tumbles out of control, can she salvage anything from her wrecked world? Scotland, Karen Elliott's best friend is booze, convinced she's coping just fine, despite nipping on the clock. The experienced school teacher is shocked when she receives an official warning about lecturing intoxicated instead of a promotion. And when she falls over dead drunk at the school's Christmas dance, she sobers up to discover she's been sacked. With her husband fighting for his own job, Karen resolves to walk the straight and narrow. But when she falls off the wagon at a friend's wedding and flirts with another man in time to find help or has she ruined her life forever? More Than Enough is an inspiring con contemporary women's fiction novel. If you like flawed heroines, page-turning drama, and authentic stories about addiction, then you'll love Emma Desi's path towards serenity. I am so excited to meet our co-author on The Countdown to Writing Your Book, Emma Desi. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. It's a oh. joy to be here and be with everybody. It feels like a little oh. while since I've seen everyone, so it's lovely. It is lovely and love that Scottish brogue coming right through. Absolutely. <laughs> it was very funny because uh, as, as the publisher on this, it was like, oh, that's right, Scottish. Everything's spelled differently. I love that. I want to do that. I want to get away with that. <laughs> I like that you said spelled differently, not wrongly. <laughs> oh, definitely not wrongly. That's why I said I. There, there, and we had a whole conversation about that, whether or not um, your spelling would get corrected in the book. And I have no intention of correcting spelling. American is not the correct way. That's for sure. <laughs> Well, I think um, our Canadian readers will be pleased to see one chapter with the spelling as well, as well as our Absolutely. ones, of course. Yeah. And, and, and readers, we, we have a, a contingency in India where uh, we are, as a company, are expanding as well. They're going to love your spelling over there. Um, that's why I'm, I'm used to seeing it. I, I kind of flag it for my own editors. This, this author is in India. This author is in the UK. Don't take out the U's. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so thrilled to have you. So, so tell me a little bit about your writer's journey. How did you come to writing? So I, I think like a lot of writers, I've always, I've always written and I've always had that ambition to be a writer, but life for like, for so many of us just takes the scenic route. And it did with me through education, through work and then family but every so often I'd come back to it and I'd want to write. And so I'd get all excited. I'd sign up for a class. I'd do a course and I think this is it. I'm going to do it this time. This is the book I'm going to write. And then maybe two weeks after the course is finished, my mojo would go and real life would take over again. And, and I didn't have the patience, I think, to kind of stick with a project for a long time. So it kept coming, kept coming over the years. And I got to 40 and the itch came back again and I was thinking right here you are midway through now come on are you either going to do this or give it up and move on with your life and just let it go but I decided I, I would try it and I made a bet with myself you know just do the first draft just finish the first draft and if it was horrible and painful and not what you thought it was going to be then at least you know and you can let it go and move on and find something new but then if you discover that you do like it and it is fun then you can think about revising and kind of working on it and taking it the next step so i did work on it that first draft and it took me a long time because i was um i had three preschool kids at the time so there was a lot of distractions but eventually i got there um and wrote that first draft and luckily for me anyway uh, I did love it I enjoyed that challenge of puzzling things out and putting the pieces together and and coming up with um, solutions to problems basically which I, I really enjoyed so I've, I've always been a reader I've always been a writer but it's taken me a number of years to get to that point where I've got the patience I think and to just sit with this long project and also the sort of self-belief that if I just keep going then I'll get there in the end, which I think a lot of certainly my audience and the people I work with can sort of resonate with. You know, we have um, a lot of plans, but sometimes through fear as well and a lack of confidence, it takes us a while to get there. But if we stick with it, we do eventually. So that's kind of been my journey to, to fiction writing. Absolutely. I'll just take offense with one little thing you said. Uh, at 40, you were halfway up. You knew <laughs> I was going to take offense to that, okay? Uh, no, 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 no. no. that way. You know, we were talking about halves of life and stuff, and it kind of thing. I think 40, around that age, is quite a time for reflection and thinking, okay, what have I achieved so far? What have been my goals? What did I want? And th there's definitely time for Act 3 and 4, Grace will attest, with all <laughs> of her readers and all of her book club people who would take offense with the 40. It was the halfway mark <laughs> <laughs> but don't you think that's a wonderful I, I think we're in this really lucky place at the moment we're no longer stuck with a job for life or feel no, that we have absolutely. to have a job for right. life we can have two three four careers sometimes simultaneously and sometimes one after the other but yeah we're in a really uh lucky place to be I think at the moment we absolutely are I remember even my brother had said to me you know he's working you know corporate and he said you know what I, I need to start a business by 40. Like this is a little bit of a lot, you know, 40 means transition. And so he's a few years older than me. So when I was getting closer to that number, not quite there yet, but soon. No. <laughs> and I said, I guess 40, that's that line in the sand when we kind of shift gears. And I, I totally get that. I, I totally get that mindset. 
but mm -hmm. but for all of uh, the older ones out there reading the eaves you get to do it again a few more times <laughs> so emma you're a you're a book coach and you work with a lot of people with their first novel is there like a common thread is it is it procrastination is it writer's block is it i don't know what to write about is it fear is it lack of self-confidence is it all of the above or is there yeah, there's probably a little bit of, of everything there. Most people I've worked with, um, the ideas are not the problem. Sometimes it's too many ideas. Yeah. And then kind of having to filter through as to which ones are going to be the ones that they're going to stick with. Um, but I think absolutely confidence comes into it a lot. Um, especially, I mean, this can come from a few different areas. You know, it might be that we the writer comes from a family who doesn't read, who's, there's never been books in the house and that's something completely alien to them and their friends and their family and family can look at them like, what are you doing? This is crazy. Why do you want to spend time with all these imaginary people? <laughs> so then they they feel a bit of an oddball and a bit of an outsider and it's it's hard that to kind of have the confidence that you could do something different. Sometimes it comes down to the opposite, which is you come from a very literary family and there's a sort of pressure. Well, if I can't write like Dickens or Austin or Mark Twain or whoever it might be then uh then I shouldn't even try so that can be something that holds people back um definitely uh education sometimes people think if I don't have if I didn't finish high school or I didn't get a a tertiary education then who am I to think that I could possibly do this so they don't feel they've got the qualifications whereas I would say you know any art form you don't need the qualification if you've got the passion and you love doing it for its own sake um, but then there is always that fear of you stepping outside your comfort zone and it's something I talk a lot about with my my clients with my students that in order to achieve something that you've never achieved before, you've got to take that step outside your comfort zone. And it feels icky and it feels horrible and you feel it in your body and your inner critic starts playing up and tells you all the reasons that you should not do it. But if you do have this goal, if you do have this drive and not just for writing, but for anything that you've got in, that you want to achieve in life, oh, you've got to take that first step and kind of just go for it and see where it takes you. And usually it's never quite as scary as you think it's going to be. We all do this, don't we? We imagine things are much worse than they're going to be. Um, so that's genuinely that that stepping out of the comfort zone is um, a difficult one. And the one I see from everybody, and this always surprises me, from your brand new debut writer all the way through to, um, I'd say, published authors. And particularly I see it in journalists who want to make that transition from nonfiction to fiction. This real fear of what are people going to say? What will people think if I if I write this and maybe I put it out into the world and, and they read it? What will they say about me? And what does the book say about me? And we, we imagine that it, it says a lot about who we are and our worth as a, as a person when it doesn't. It really, really doesn't. But a jumble of all these things come into play. And so I see all of a mixture of these things. Um, but I would say it's that imposter syndrome, that fear of going out of your comfort zone. That can be the toughest thing. Surprisingly, it's not craft because most people I work with, they've taken courses they've read books they've written short stories they've you know been to a, a seminar where they've worked on scenes and things so they've got a good grasp 
of the craft. And then like all of us, you just keep working on that and you, you keep improving that. But it's the confidence level and the being able to silence that inner critic. That can be the toughest thing and the more universal thing that I see I see with writers. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Good for them to, to have you as their guide. Tell us a little bit about More Than Enough. What <laughs> inspired this book? Was it uh, somebody you knew? Was it a situation, an allegory? And this is this is a heavy book here. <laughs> well, it's funny. Yes, I know here, um, Grace had vodka in hers. I've got Sauvignon Blanc in mine. Um... <laughs> <laughs> we can share. <laughs> <laughs> With a charcuterie board. We can share it all. Yeah, of course, yay. Um, this came out of, uh, we have a radio show in the UK called Women's Hour, and it looks at all different issues relating to women's lives. And one of the, th the themes that uh, came up a lot when I was listening to it was the idea of wine o'clock. Wow. And it, it is a very middle class thing, I think. Um, but I would see a lot of mums with young kids and or hear about them and I'm certainly one of them that's you know the wine o'clock got earlier and earlier and earlier until it was you know 3 30 when the kids got home from school oh you know I deserve it I deserve to have this glass of wine in the middle of the afternoon and that became a sort of um it was the starting block for many women to have an addiction with or Sometimes not a full physical addiction, but enough of an addiction with alcohol that it became problematic for them and their families and their lives. And it just kind of goes against that image that we've got of an alcoholic, which is, you know, the man under the bridge with the bottle in the, the brown bag. And yes. nine times out of 10, that's not an alcoholic. It is somebody who is high functioning, who is running a household, going to work, living to all intents and purposes, this normal life. And so I wanted to have... I always write about women, so a woman who did have a responsible job, who was a professional, but at the same time had this kind of inner demon going on. And how do you balance that? And how do you work through that and, and find a way to move past it? Because, um, yeah, definitely a lot of women of contemporaries of mine that I saw were going through this. And it's not a nice place to be. So partly this comes from my own experiences with wine o'clock, but then also from what I was sort of hearing about in the media and in the zeitgeist that this wasn't just me that was experiencing this. I, I never heard of wine o'clock before, I guess being an American, but you're absolutely right. Our image of what is a person who has an issue with alcohol is definitely not that mom. You know, that's no. not what we're thinking. No, no, it's a, it's a, it's, well, for us in the UK, it would be a can of lager or a can of cider or a bottle of vodka, not a nice expensive glass of Chablis or a good quality wine, but the effect is still the same. <laughs> yeah, if you think if you're drinking good quality wine, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, very much. It's the, uh, that's acceptable. That's socially acceptable. Whereas, um, yeah, being under the bridge is not exactly okay so so all of those wineries in napa that i visit on the bench <laughs> do you know i do remember we my husband and i traveled and we went to um we spent some time in new zealand and the, the wine there is beautiful and we had our camper van and we went the only slot i could find was an early slot to go to visit the winery and then do the tasting and so by half past 10 in the morning 
I said to him, oh, you're going to have to drive after this. And I had to get in the back of our camper van and have a sleep because I'd had two or three glasses of the good wine at the at the winery. But <laughs> it was very good and it was a good sleep. But uh, it does make me laugh. <laughs> I, my husband and I love to visit wineries and we'll go to different regions of, of the country and around the world. And I always make sure that we get the ones that have the cheese pairings because otherwise I'll be asleep all the time. You have to at least throw me an oyster cracker or something. Something, <laughs> yes, exactly. Otherwise, yeah. Do oh, I'll, I'll be totally out. Absolutely. I agree with you. <laughs> well, this has been such an incredible joy to be working on uh, Launchpad to writing your book. Now, it is a three book series and um, Emma and Grace took the leads on Launchpad, the countdown to writing your book, imminently the countdown to publishing your book that, that Grace has grace, graciously shared the, uh, the front cover with me on has been amazing. And it's going to end with Launchpad, the countdown to marketing your book, bringing it all full circle because anyone who has ever written a book has found out that the writing part was the easy part as compared to the marketing of the book. Um, that's kind of a frightening thing because when you write the end, you think you are finished. And thankfully we have uh, Mary Helen Sheriff along who is a marketing guru. Mary serves as the author, marketing coach and host of Growing Up Bookish and the CEO of Bookish Road Trip. With 14 years of teaching experience in everything from elementary school, middle school, college, and professionals, she is absolutely an educator marketer. And in Boop and Eve's road trip, Mary writes, Eve Prince is done with college, with her mom, with guys, and with her dream of fashion design. But when her best friend goes MIA, Eve must gather together the broken threads of her life in order to search for her. When Eve's grandmother, Boop, a retiree dripping with Southern charm, finds out about the trip, she, desperate to see her sister and also hoping to alleviate Eve's growing depression, hijacks her granddaughter's road trip. Boop knows from experience that healing Eve will require more than flirting lessons and a garlic festival makeover. Nevertheless, Boop is frustrated when her feeble efforts yield the same failure that her sulfur-laced sip from the fountain of youth wrought on her age. She knows that sharing the secret that's haunted her for 60 years might be the one thing that will lessen Eve's growing depression. But she also fears that if she reveals it, she'll lose her family and her own hard-won happiness. Boop and Eve's journey through the heart of Dixie is an unforgettable love story between a grandmother and her granddaughter. Please welcome author and marketing guru, Mary Helen Sheriff. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I like the guru title. <laughs> <laughs> you are you are totally the guru. And, uh, and, and and even though, you know, as I was explaining, it's a three book series and Mary. Oh, yeah. It's not like Mary's just sitting there like, yeah, I'll just sit here and do nothing till book three. No. Oh, my gosh. Thank goodness we have you for all the books. You have been so instrumental because uh, while I teased that people find out after they write the end and they're like, I'm done. 
And then they find out, oh, marketing the book is its own thing. Quite frankly, you should have already been started. So uh, if, if you waited till the words, the end came around, next time you write a book, and believe me, there will be a next time, let's push that whole thing up a little bit earlier. So coming from a background in education, how did you come to be an author and a marketing guru? <laughs> So I discovered that I enjoyed writing when I was in college studying to be a teacher. Um, and I had my a professor gave us an assignment where we were supposed to take this a picture book called Letters from Felix, um, which is like this kid goes on an airplane with a stuffed rabbit and leaves the rabbit behind. The rabbit's Felix. And Felix sends letters to the kid from all over the world. And so this kid learns about places all over the world from a stuffed rabbit who sends letters. Anyway, so the, the assignment was that we could teach geography through this book, and then we could have the kids make their own version of letters to Felix, pick their own little character that would somehow travel and send notes back to a kid. But we were supposed to make a sample so that when we gave this project to the kids, we had a sample that we could show them what we meant. Well, I sat down and wrote a novel. <laughs> which wasn't the assignment at all. <laughs> and so I like sheepishly turned it into him. And I was like, you don't really have to read this. And I'll do it again if you really want me to do the right thing. But I'm hoping that you're going to be so excited that I was inspired by this assignment to write a novel that you're going to let this go. <laughs> Overachiever. Okay, I'll take it. You're good. <laughs> so anyway, that's how I kind of thought discovered that I really liked writing. Um, you know, and it's not something you can just say today, hey, I'm going to be a writer. I'm 20 some years old. I have to like support myself. So <laughs> I became a teacher and I was writing, you know, sometimes in the evenings and definitely over the summers. And um, at some point I ended up getting an MFA in children's literature, thinking that I was going to be a children's writer. And I did write some books, some novels, uh, in addition to the one I wrote for this class, I wrote two others. Um, for kids that have never been published. Uh, and then I got started on this particular book, uh, Boop and Eve's Road Trip. Um, and I spent seven years on it. I mean, it wasn't like an overnight kind of thing. But I, when I was done, it, it, it touched me personally in a way that I couldn't let it go, you know, so I kept working on it and kept working on it and kept working on it. And so it's the first one to really see the light of day. Um, and at the point where I signed my contract, my publishing contract, I was thinking, oh my gosh, this has been a dream of mine for like two decades and it's finally going to happen. And I was lucky enough to be in a position where I thought, you know, I could take a few years off of work and like really do everything I possibly could to make this dream actually come true and be like a big thing. Um, and so I resigned from teaching. Um I finished out the school year and then I resigned and I had about a year before the book was actually going to come out. And I thought, well, shoot, my job did not teach me the first thing about marketing a book <laughs> and I don't know anything. Um, and so that year before my book came out, I just like pretty much made it my job to learn how to do this. And um, that was great. And then um, just to give a little timeline here, March of 2020 shows up in the middle of this year that I had off to learn how to market. Oh. My book actually came out in October of 2020. Um, 
So everything I had learned was kind of like, is this still true? Is this not true? What are we going to do now? Nothing in real life is happening. Everything's sort of falling apart. And, and we're all just kind of scrambling and making it up as we go. Um, and so that in itself was a whole nother like learning experience. So I kind of had some foundation when that happened, but then now I'm kind of learning on the fly and figuring things out and talking to people and had started to build up a network already. So that was really helpful to have other authors to talk to. What are you going to do about this? How are you going to do that? Um, and so, and then it turned out that I kind of like marketing, which for most authors I talk to, they don't like it. And I'm like, I think it's kind of fun. And, um, you know, over time, I started to have more and more author friends calling me and saying, hey, what do I do about this? And how do I do this? And where should I do that? And a friend of mine said, hey, you know, Mary, maybe you should like have a little side business doing this and helping people. And I thought, well, maybe I should. <laughs> so <laughs> here we are. Um, and I started this business about a year ago. Um, and I work, I do different things. I mean, I, my biggest goal over time is to make an inexpensive opportunities for authors to learn and grow. Um, I, marketing can be expensive. Publishing books is not the most lucrative career. If you think it is, I hope you're Stephen King. <laughs> because that's who makes tons of money and the rest of us, you know, are, are, are struggling. And so I don't want to be yet another like, oh my gosh, I, now I have to pay for that. And now I have to pay for that. And so I'm looking for ways to, um, you know, help authors in a way that feels good to me. Like I'm not just like taking money and leeching off of their small profits and, and that kind of thing. So um, partly what I talk about is ways to partly what I offer is ways to organize advice on what to do or what not to do, ways to spend your money that makes sense, ways to spend your time that makes sense. Um, and for you, because it's not the same for everybody. Not everyone has the same skill set they bring to the table and not everyone has the same readership. So, you know, everybody will market their book slightly different and what works for one person might not work for another person. And so helping people figure out where to start that <laughs> experiment and what to, what, to try and what not to try and, and, and what's a good result. Like, you know, sometimes you do something, you're like, I have no idea whether that worked or not <laughs> or whether yeah, compared to anybody else, that's good. Um, and so that's a little bit of what I offer some accountability, some, you know, some mindset stuff. You know, I have some author friends, Grace Simon, um, who keep telling me they're not good at marketing, but that isn't true. Grace is fantastic at marketing, but marketing is a million things. And so maybe this one thing she's not psyched about, <laughs> But this other thing, networking, Grace is amazing at. You don't have to be good at all of it. You know, like it's a million different things. And so figuring out like what your talents are and what you can bring to the table and, and leaning into that and like letting go of the things that maybe you don't have an interest in or you don't have a skill set in. That's okay. You don't have to be good at all of it. You just have to find the thing that you're good at and that will work for your readers. Absolutely. Um, Tell me a little bit about Boop and Eve's road trip. Seven years in the making. Was it was it Boop? Was it Eve? Who who started this journey? Uh, well, it was gonna be a young adult novel. It's not, it's women's fiction, but it started off as a young adult novel and it was gonna be about Eve. Um and Eve was initially in high school, but you know, in the end she ended up in college. Um so whatever. Again, seven years, lots of variations of this book exist. Um and Boop was always gonna be in the book, 
but she was going to be sort of like the mentor sidekick character. Um, but then as I started to write the book, Boop's voice took on more and more um, energy and she started taking over chapters and um, suddenly it's a dual protagonist. They both have their, their own story arcs. Those story arcs are very intertwined, but I consider this book, you know, equally each of theirs. I think that um, Boop is the character that people fall in love with, even though like they like Eve and but Eve, Eve has troubles and she's kind of annoying the first half of the book <laughs> um, <laughs> because she's, she's depressed. And, and, and I, so part of that story is that I had been, I had suffered from some postpartum depression issues when I started writing the book and I wanted to really be authentic and capturing sort of that dark place that someone who's depressed sits. But then I also like, didn't want the book to be depressing. Um, you know, I don't want someone, I want someone who might be struggling with this to feel like heard, but then also to feel like there's hope and sitting in that dark place maybe isn't the best spot for that. So that's kind of where Boop comes in because Boop had troubles in her past, but has gotten through them ish. <laughs> um, but she's full of joy and full of hope and full of love. And you know that with her there with Eve, you have every hope and belief that everything's going to turn out okay in the end. Um, and so they kind of go back and forth. So we might spend a chapter hearing Eve whine a little bit. And then the next chapter, Boop makes us laugh. Um, and, and so it, it does make for an unusual tone. Um, I like it. I like that sort of idea of like taking a deep breath and having this moment to like find joy and see Eve through Boop's eyes. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of where we go back. And then, you know, Eve, Eve, Eve goes on her journey. I believe in happy endings, so I'll just say that. Um, so, um, um, I wanted it to be real. It's not like the ending is perfect and everyone lives happily ever after, but you feel like there's just a real hope that everyone is kind of in a better place than they were when the book started and will hopefully continue that journey going forward. I so love hearing you speak about these characters and how well, Boop took over and got her own voice and, you know, took her own chapters. And, you know, for someone who's just starting to write or, you know, even if someone further along on the journey, it's so exciting to hear how these characters, you know, a non-writer's like, well, aren't you the one writing the book? What do you mean she took over the character? It's right. so cool. I love hearing that stuff, that, that your characters really control the story and and boop i mean she got top billing man you know this started as a young adult novel about eve eve it might have been called eve's depression and now it's boop and eve's road trip and i i love that there was this evolution of the book over time and and i just love to say that for people who are writing uh what you write first well first of all most of us don't accidentally write a novel as the answer to uh you know, a 500 word essay in college that usually doesn't happen. But um, what you write first in your novel, uh, that first draft is not the novel. Please don't beat yourself up over about it. Please allow it to breathe and grow and evolve. Um, I'm hopefully saying good things because I see my book coach up there nodding her head. Um, but, you know, so many people put so many constraints on that this is what it's supposed to be. And you know what? It when you talk about it, Mary, you talk about it with such joy in the evolution, in the process. And I love hearing that, that you really 
you're like friends with these people. And if Boop wants to take over a chapter, man, and she wants top billing, you gave it to her. And I I love that. I have to tell you, that's just you know, so exciting. Something that we don't always talk about too is when I was done with the book, you know, I'd spent seven years messing around with these people. I actually grieved, which sounds weird, but a lot of authors have told me they have that same feeling oh, of yeah. like, sad to like not have them as part of my daily wonder what she think about that what would she say about that <laughs> and I've heard that um, authors when a main character dies that they might not have personally killed them on purpose like sometimes as you're saying how Boop took over your book I've heard from many authors that they were literally screaming at their computer you can't die and I'm saying but you're the one who killed them, man. Uh, but that, that grieving process is is authentic and the characters really do often write their own stories. I think that that's one of the exciting things about fiction is that, I mean, in nonfiction, we can't really get away with that too much. So I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love that. And, and you have been, as I called you, the marketing guru on this book, which has been absolutely amazing for everybody. Um, just wanted to recap for all of our viewers out there. Um, the launch pad, the countdown to writing your book is available now. The countdown to publishing your book and marketing your book are imminent. But I also want you to know that these three amazing writers are available now and are there available to help you on your journey with writing and publishing and marketing. So please feel free to contact and you'll definitely want to grab a copy of these books and get on their mailing lists and get on their Facebook and Instagram groups and all of those great places. Uh, Grace Salmon, the author of The Eaves. And I, I love your tagline there. When our stories are told, everything changes. That is just such an amazing line. I think I want to put that on, on my wall someplace in my office because that's a great, great tagline. And that goes for all of us here on the show and all of our listeners. Um, Emma Desi, the author of More Than Enough, She's Lost Her Dignity, Will she lose her family too? Uh, such a beautiful uh, thought there. And Emma, who is a book coach and can help you, especially for those first time novelists, which is so exciting because she's right there to hold your hand. And Mary Helen Sheriff, the author of Boop and Eve's Road Trip. And uh, Mary Helen is a great, great resource and uh, business owner for getting your book marketed, which you're gonna find out in short order is a thing by itself but we're so excited to have all of these books coming out and you three are amazing i could talk to you for days but i, I know you have like books to write so <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for joining me between the covers